Hey, this is Steve Campbell from the C3 Church. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Our prayer for you is that you'll be blessed, equipped, and enabled as you listen to this message. God bless you. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are a good God. I thank you, Lord, that you love us. Thank you that you are faithful through every season. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us through your word now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to say another big welcome to you all here this morning, especially if you're new to C3 or maybe you're visiting with us over the Christmas period. It's great to have you with us today. Today, we are concluding our Christmas preaching series called Christmas at the Movies. We have been learning some biblical truths as we study God's Word and some of our favorite Christmas films. So Christmas Day has passed, and there's a new year approaching. I don't know about you, but this can be a little bit of a strange time of year, right? Because the excitement of Christmas is over, and we're sort of in the middle waiting for what comes next. Well, I'm excited to talk to you in the middle, because I believe the middle is a really important place to be. So I want you to go ahead, turn to your neighbor, look at them deep in the eye and say, I'm stuck in the middle with you. You know, I love, I love my sports. I can get into pretty much any sports. And in most sports, you have a, an on-season, a playing season, and then you have an off-season. And before the next season starts, you have something called pre-season. And I came to announce to you today that pre-season training has started. Some of you who overindulged a little bit like me over Christmas, you're like, yeah, I know I need to sign up for a bit of pre-season training. But you know what? Pre-season training always comes with a challenge. And today's message comes with a challenge. So if you came and you're hoping for a comfy post-Christmas message, I have to say I'm sorry. That's not the word that God's given me to share with you today. But I do believe this. If we will lean into this, it is going to set us up for success in the coming season. And I don't know about you, but going into a new year, into a new decade, I want to be setting myself up for success in this next season. The title for my message today is Fix Your Focus. We're going to look at three steps to fixing our focus. Some of you here today, you've been going through 2019 and you've had a little bit of blurred vision. You've had a bit of a distorted image where I believe that God wants to fix your focus. Go into a new year with fixed focus. The film that we're going to look at today is an old film. I want to assure you when we watch the first clip in a few moments, the projector is not broken. It was filmed in black and white. Released in 1946, It's a Wonderful Life was originally a bit of a box office disappointment. But it has gone on to become a Christmas classic. Many people would consider it their favorite Christmas film. And you know what? I could preach a message on that alone. Because someone, you're sat here today and you're looking at your life and you're disappointed. It's not what you expected. But I want to encourage you today, don't discard the promise of God. Because if you're still sat here and you're still breathing, the story isn't finished. You know what? I wonder how the director felt on week three. But if only he could see that 70 years later, we'd still be watching this film and consider it a Christmas classic. I want you, don't discourage God's promise over your life. I want you to hold on to a God who has promised to work all things together for good for those who love him. 
Oh, it's not my message, but <laughs> got to calm down. But it's, it's the truth. It's the truth. You know what? It's a Wonderful Life is funny. It's heartwarming. It's sad, but incredibly joyful. Can't wait to look at part of it with you today. We're going to take a look at the first clip, and this clip really sets up the premise for the whole film. Hello, Joseph. Trouble? Looks like we'll have to send someone down. A lot of people asking for help for a man named George Bailey. George Bailey? Yes, tonight's his crucial night, you're right. We'll have to send someone down immediately. Whose turn is it? That's why I came to see you, sir. It's a clockmaker's turn again. Oh, Clarence hasn't got his wings yet, has he? We've passed him up right along. Because, you know, sir, he's got the IQ of a rabbit. Yes, but he's got the faith of a child. Simple. Joseph, send for Clarence. You sent for me, sir? Yes, Clarence. A man down on Earth needs our help. Splendid. Is he sick? No, worse. He's discouraged. At exactly 10.45 p.m. Earth time, that man will be thinking seriously of throwing away God's greatest gift. Oh, dear, dear, his life. Then I've only an hour to dress. What are they wearing now? You will spend that hour. It's not exactly the special effects of the Avengers, is it? And I do have to offer a disclaimer. I'm not suggesting that It's a Wonderful Life is necessarily a biblical portrayal of angels. But after the clip that we just watched, we are introduced to George Bailey, who's the central character of the film. And Clarence, that angel assigned to him, is shown the entirety of his life up until that point. We see how as a young boy, George saves his younger brother from drowning after he's fallen through the ice. We see how when he's a little bit older, working as an errand boy in a pharmacy, he prevents his drunk employer from accidentally poisoning a young child. George is a bright, capable young man with a passion to learn, to discover, and to adventure. He graduates from school, and after working for four years in his father's company, he finally has the opportunity to fulfill his dreams, to travel before he goes to university. It's then that tragedy strikes. His father dies suddenly of a stroke, and George has a difficult decision to make. You see, he sees that the evil Mr. Potter will continue to exploit the town's residents. And so instead of going off, he decides that he will stay and run his father's business. It was a choice that required real sacrifice for him, but it was motivated by his compassion because his father's business was all about giving opportunities to those people that are in need in the town. So he saw that he must continue this. We're going to take a look at our our second clip. And this clip really introduces us to the first step for us to fix our focus. This clip is quite a lot later in the film. George is now married to Mary, his wife. And they are helping a family move out of a slum into a social housing project that George has set up. The house. Ah. Me, Giuseppe Martin, I own my own house. No more we live like a pigs in this Paris field. One more after. Hurry, hurry. Come on, bring the baby. Come on. Come on. This is like a queen. I'll take the kids in the car. Oh, thank you, Mr. Bailey. Thank you. Hi, right, kids. Here. Here, get in here. One more time. Get right up on the seat there. Get the dog. Hey. 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 H
Mr. and Mrs. Martini. Welcome home. Hey. Good old George. He's always making a speech. Bread, that this house may never know hunger. Salt, that life may always have flavor. And wine, that joy and prosperity may reign forever. Enter the Martini Castle. George and Mary have this amazing heart for people. They don't think it's okay for them to be comfortable themselves while other people are being oppressed. You know, if we're going to fix our focus, the first step for us is to turn off selfie mode. It's to flip the camera. Because here's the danger. This is the trap that we can all fall into with our lives. We can make it about me. Hey, it's all about me. Hey, guys, can you not just do what I want? Because like, it's all, all about me. About me. You know what? We'll never live a life in focus unless it's bigger than just me. We will never live a life that's in focus unless it's bigger than me. The Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, consider others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Oh, the Apostle Paul, he didn't have a smartphone. What he's trying to say is, get off selfie mode. Flip the camera. Because you know what? When we flip the camera, we see that there's a world on the other side. We see that there's people who are hurting and desperate in need. There are people who desperately need us to be the hands and feet of Jesus in their lives. We've got to flip the camera. We've got to get off selfie mode. You know, in Mark chapter 10, we read a story about two of Jesus' disciples, James and John, and They've temporarily got stuck on selfie mode because they go to Jesus and they say, oh, Jesus, you know, what we'd really like is we'd like, you know, to sit one on the right and one on the left. In other words, hey, we'd really like to be the greatest other than you. And Jesus says to them, oh, guys, you've completely missed it. I didn't even come to make myself great. I came to do my father's will. I came to lay down my life to save the world from sin. And in Mark 10, 45, he says to them, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, our focus, your focus will never be right if all it is doing is looking at yourself. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get a case of the poms. That's what my mum used to call them, the poor old me's, the poms. And I'm looking at myself and I'm like, oh, John, it's like life is tough right now, right? And, you know, there's so many things that are going on that are a struggle. But, you know, I need to flip the camera. I need to turn off selfie mode because there is another view. And that view of my life says I am blessed. That view of my life says God has been good. That view of my life says God is faithful. The fact that I'm stood here this morning is testimony that God has been good to me. I need to flip the camera. I need to get off selfie mode. I need to fix my focus. Maybe you're sat here today and you're thinking, yeah, I resonate with that. But where's the first step to, to getting off selfie mode? Well, I'd encourage you this. Why not start by serving at church? It's not a recruitment drive. It's something I want for you. Because you know what? When we serve, 
Not only are we being like Jesus in that passage that we just read, but we're taking our focus off me, placing it onto others. And I can guarantee this, when you take your focus off me and place it onto others, there's some other areas in your life that are going to come back into focus. We've got to flip the camera. We've got to get off selfie mode. Secondly, we need to gain perspective. You see, George, the sad thing about George at this moment in his life is he can't see the impact he's having in people's lives. He's got a good life. Him and Mary have a good life, but... You know, the constant worries of how the business is going, thoughts of, oh, I could have done so much with my life. Those things niggle away at him, and he loses perspective. And then one day, his uncle comes back to him and tells him that he has lost the entirety of the business takings for that entire week. George, not only now feeling down and depressed, realizes that he faces financial ruin, Potential time in prison and the loss of his business. And it's at this moment that George hits rock bottom. Let's take a look. Uh, Dad, how do you spell hallelujah? How should I know? What do you think I am? A dictionary? Tommy, stop that. Stop it. Janie, haven't you learned that silly tune yet? You play it over and over again. Now stop it. Stop it. Sorry, Mary. Janie, I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. I... You go on and practice. Pete, I owe you an apology, too. George was about to end it all before Clarence jumps first. You see, George's desperation was driven largely by his perspective. He couldn't see the impact that he was having in people's life. He couldn't see the good things that he had. He couldn't see the difference he had made. You know, the second step, if we're going to fix our focus, is that we must gain perspective. 
we're going to take a look at a story in the life of Jesus where Jesus goes to his hometown. And the people in his hometown have the wrong perspective of Jesus. He turns up there and it's the Sabbath and he's about to head into the synagogue and talk to them. And we pick the story up in Mark chapter 6, verse 1. It says, Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's the wisdom that is being given to him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son? And the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. He cannot do many miracles there, except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. You see, it wasn't that there wasn't something about Jesus. They're like, they were amazed. They, they knew there was something about him. They just didn't know where it had come from. And then in verse 3, we read two words that limit their entire ability to receive from Jesus. They say, isn't this? Isn't this just the carpenter from Nazareth Boat Builders? Oh, isn't this just Mary's son? the one who came a little bit early. Oh, isn't this the illegitimate one? I've heard the stories about him. They thought they knew who Jesus was. You see, they had a perspective which informed their expectation, which limited their ability to receive. It says that Jesus couldn't do many miracles there. It wasn't that Jesus was unable to do miracles. It's just that they weren't willing to receive from him. Stephen Furtick, who's pastor in America, he talks about collecting evidence for a verdict we have already decided. You see, they had a verdict. Their verdict was, this was Mary's son. This ver their verdict was, this is the carpenter. And they weren't collecting evidence for any other verdict. It's terrible, right? It's, it's not like we would ever do anything like that. It's not like we would ever box God in to the size of our expectations. Oh yeah, he's, he's my Sunday savior, but don't expect me to take him to work on Monday. Oh, he's my once a month when I'm feeling a bit bad kind of God, but don't expect me to be in church every Sunday. Oh, I'm happy to teach C3 kids that he's the God who parted the Red Sea, but don't expect me to believe for a miracle in my mum's life. Oh yeah, I'm happy to talk to my C3 group about how he's the God of revival but just don't expect me to believe it's going to happen in my lifetime. I tell you what, I believe God wants us to undergo today an expectation reset. He wants us to go with fresh expectation as we go into a new year, into a new decade, that we go forward with fresh expectation. You know what? In this passage, just before it, there's two stories. One is about Jesus and Jairus. Jesus heals Jairus' daughter. 
The other is about a woman who has been bleeding for 12 years. And I believe that the writer put them in there almost to contrast the people's expectations. Because you know what? The expectation of the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years was this. If I could just touch the edge of his coat, if I could just touch the edge of his sleeve, I will be healed. I want to ask you, what is your expectation as you go into 2020? Because you can go in with the same expectation and wonder why you're not seeing the power of God unleashed in your life, or you can have a fresh expectation. I tell you what, I am declaring over my own life that I've got a new verdict. And my verdict is that he is the savior of the world, that he is the king of the universe, that he is the Lord of lords, that he is the king of kings. And I'm going to collect evidence for that verdict. I'm going to go into 2020 with a fresh expectancy. Because we need to gain perspective if we're going to fix our focus. And then lastly, if we're going to go forward with fixed focus. We need to make sure that we're looking at life through the right lens. We can look at life through all sorts of wrong lenses. Maybe in 2019, you've been looking at life through a lens of of disappointment. Maybe you've been looking at it through a lens of fear or failure. But the right lens changes everything. George, in the film, he gets an opportunity for a radical change of lens. He gets the opportunity to see what life would have been like if he had never have lived. Let's take a look at the screen. Well? Mother. Mother? What do you want? Mother, that's... This is George. I, I thought sure you'd remember me. George who? If you're looking for a room, there's no vacancy. Oh, mother, listen, please help me. Something terrible's happened to me. I, I, I don't know what it is. Something's happened to everybody. Please let me come in and, and, and keep me here until I get over it. Get over what? I don't take in strangers unless they're sent here by somebody I know. What? Well, I know everybody you know. What? You, your brother-in-law, Uncle Billy. You know him? Well, sure I do. When did you see him last? Today, over at his house. It's a lie. He's been in the insane asylum ever since he lost his business. And if you ask me, that's where you belong. Strange, isn't it? Each man's life touches so many other lives. When he isn't around, he leaves an awful hole, doesn't he? I've heard of things like this. You've got me in some kind of a spell or something. Well, I'm going to get out of it. I'll get out of it. And I know how, too. I... Now, the last man I talked to before all this stuff started happening to me was Martini. You know where he lives? Well, sure I know where he lives. He lives in Bailey Park. Are you sure this is Bailey Park? No, I'm not sure of anything anymore. All I know is this should be Bailey Park. But where are the houses? You are here to build them. Your brother, Harry Bailey, broke through the ice and was drowned at the age of nine. That's a lie. Harry Bailey went to war. He got the Congressional Medal of Honor. He saved the lives of every man on that transport. Every man on that transport died. Harry wasn't there to save them because you weren't there to save Harry. George, 
You really had a wonderful life. Don't you see what a mistake it would be to throw it away? Clarence? Yes, George? Where's Mary? Oh, well, I, I, I can't... Uh... I don't know how you know these things, but tell me, where is she? I'm if you not... know where she is, tell me where my wife is. I'm not supposed to tell. Please, Clarence, tell me where she is. You're not going to like it, George. Where is she? She's an old maid. She never married. Where is Mary? Where is she? she... Where is she? She's just about to close up the library! There must be some easier way for me to get my wings. Mary. Live again. Please, God, let me live again. Right lens changes everything. And I just want to talk very briefly as I finish about three areas where we need to make sure we're looking through the right lens. First is this we need the right lens when it comes to looking at God. If God is God, anything is possible. I'm going to say it again because someone might believe it in this room. If God is God, anything is possible. I'm not talking about theory. I'm talking about building our faith. We need the right lens when it comes to looking at God. You know, I believe that he is the God who died for our sin. He conquered sin and death and the grave. If God is God, anything is possible. We need the right lens when it comes to looking at God. Secondly, we need the right lens when it comes to looking at ourselves. You know what? We will never live out our God-given potential if we're looking at ourselves through the long, wrong lens. I believe that some of you here, you've been obscuring the lens with labels that you're putting on your life. Maybe in 2019 you lived with some labels on your life. Labels like, I'm a bad parent. I'm a failure. I'm a disappointment. Nobody loves me. I believe God wants to take the labels off today. And he wants to replace it with the only label he ever put on your life. Because there's only one label that God put on your life by his extravagant love. And that's this. You are my daughter. You are my son. And I love you. We need the right lens when it comes to looking at ourselves. You are loved son and daughter of God. And then thirdly, we need the light lens when it comes to doing life in community with others. I don't know what lens you've been looking at that through. Maybe you think, it's an optional extra. If I could just free up a bit more time in my schedule, I'd try and hang out with my C3 group. I want to encourage you, it's not an optional extra. If you're going to go and you're going to make it through 2020 with a fixed focus, you're going to need the right people around you. I actually believe there's, 
someone you're here today and part of the reason that you've had the blurred vision, that distorted image this year, is because you've been hanging out with the wrong group of people. And they've been bringing you down and they've been speaking negativity and they've been down on church. Well, I believe you need to step out and step into a new group of people. Some people who are going to encourage you, who are going to inspire you, who are going to challenge you to step forward into all that God has for your life. Oh, you need to get with a C3 group, get with some people around you who are going to encourage you to keep your focus fixed. We need the right focus when it comes to doing life in community with others. Who wants to see how this film ends? Yeah, come on, let's take a look at the final clip. Mary! Mary! Have you seen my wife? Mary! 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 Daddy! Daddy! Kids! Pete! Kids! Janie! Janie! Tommy! Oh, I could eat you up. Where's your mother? She went looking for you. With Uncle She's... Billy. Zuzu, Zuzu, my little ginger snap, how do you feel? Fine. Not a smidge of temperature. Not a smidge of temperature. Ah, hallelujah. Hello. George. George, Mary. darling. Where are you? George, darling. Where are you? Oh, George, Mary. George. 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 To my big brother George, the richest man in town. George's return to reality, as was his plea, and nothing's really changed, but everything is different. He's seeing life through a different lens now. And I really just have one question for some of you here today. As we close our service and as we come into the end of a new year, do you know that someone has paid your debt? Because George's friends, they came round and out of their love for him, they've chipped in and they've covered all his debt. That is why they're rejoicing in that last clip. You know what? The Bible teaches us that we each have debt. It's called sin. It's 
our wrongdoing, the things that have separated us from God. For the Bible also teaches us that someone came and paid our debt. His name is Jesus. He came down to earth, died on a cross, and rose again because he wanted to pay your debt and have a relationship with you. And you might have been listening to me today and you might have been thinking, well, I've never fixed my focus. I've never focused on God. My whole life has been on selfie mode. It's been trying to do some things that make me feel happy and I keep winding up feeling empty and hopeless. You might feel like you've got completely the wrong perspective and you need a complete change today. Well, in a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer. We'll pray it together as a church family. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, or if you have once and you've wandered away, I'm going to ask you, why not take this opportunity to say, yeah, I want to have a relationship with God. I want to walk with Him. You know, that is the best decision you could ever make going into a new year and into a new decade, is that you will walk with God. Let's pray this prayer together. We'll pray all together as a church family. Lord Jesus, thank you that you love me so much that you gave your life for me. Thank you that you paid my debt so I could have a relationship with you. Forgive me for the things I've done that have separated me from you. Thank you for new life. I give you mine. Amen. Now in this moment, I'm going to ask if you prayed that for the first time or as a recommitment that you make a, a bold statement at the end of one year and the beginning of another, at the end of one decade, the beginning of another, you make a bold choice. Because I'm going to count one, two, three, and if you prayed that prayer for the first time, or as a recommitment to Jesus, I'm just going to ask you to be brave, raise your hand. All we're going to do is celebrate with you. After the service, someone will give you a gift, a Bible to take with you to help you. So if that was you and you prayed that prayer, you said, I want to follow Jesus. After one, two, three, I just want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Be bold in this moment. that we fixed our focus that we're looking to Jesus because you know what I believe that this year is going to be a year of fixed focus in your life this year is going to be a year where you set your eyes on Jesus it's like the Apostle Paul said he's like I didn't, haven't already obtained oh but I'm pressing towards the mark I want to encourage you that you're going to be people who fix your focus this year you're going to get off selfie mode you're going to look at the needs of others you're going to gain perspective. You're going to see that God is a God who can do all things. And you're going to come with fresh expectancy. 
I believe that you're going to look at life through the right lens. You're going to believe that when you look at God, anything is possible. You're going to understand your identity as a child of God and you are going to step forward in community with others. I believe this is going to be a year of fixed focus. Why don't you go ahead and declare over your life, I'm fixing my focus. I'm fixing my focus. And in this place, let's make a declaration as we stand and as we worship that we're going to be people that set our eyes on Jesus. They're going to press towards the mark. They're going to go sold out for Him. And we're going to start that by giving Him the praise and the worship that He deserves. Thank you for listening to this podcast we pray it's been a blessing to you why not share it with your friends and family through social media if you're not on the regular podcast list then why don't you subscribe thank you especially to those that give if you want to give to this ministry you can go to our website thec3.uk slash giving and get involved god bless you